Welcome to the Reclaim app, where we're creating safe spaces of connection with God, each other, and ourselves. Hello, friends, and welcome to our first ever Reclaim podcast. I'm Pastor Carrie and founder of the Reclaim app. And joining me today is my wonderful co-podcaster, who is a dear friend, as well as an amazing colleague and counselor, Liz Kale. Hi, Liz. Hey, Carrie. (laughs) Hey, Liz. Before we get started, do you mind sharing a bit about who you are and how we got here? I would love to. It's just so good to be partnering with you in this new adventure, Carrie. Because I have to say, I love that you are currently a licensed pastor Now diving into this Reclaim initiative, you're married, you have kids, and I am a formally licensed pastor, currently a counseling therapist, unmarried, and have no kids. So what I love about our partnership is that while we share so many of the same values, we're going to be able to approach topics like today's from our own unique lens and perspective. So with that little hello, some info about me is I am a certified professional counselor living in Calgary, Alberta. I was a licensed pastor for about 10 years, working primarily with youth as a youth pastor, and resigned from that chapter of my life to go back to school for counseling. So it was during my counseling internship that I got to meet you, Carrie, and uh, that's how we got connected. And so a beautiful consequence of that is that you and I became fast friends, and three years later, here we are apparently doing a podcast together. So, and scene. (laughs) It's crazy, but wonderful, all at the same time. And Liz, you're right. We've been dreaming about, thinking about, praying about, and preparing for this day for a long time. And in large part, because we both have a deep desire to create safe spaces of connection Mm -hmm. where we can share in one another's stories and start to recognize where our stories find connection with God, with each other, and even within ourselves, exactly as we are in these moments. And I find as we find those connecting points, it helps to remind us of the foundational and eternal truth that we are never truly alone. And I know you and I believe that this truth is vital for humanity's healing and flourishing. And that's why we've intentionally decided to launch this podcast during the season of Advent, the weeks leading up to Christmas. Although this time of year is often focused around connecting with family, friends, co-workers, even strangers, It can also be, for many, a time of great loneliness, Mm -hmm. isolation, and disconnection. Globally, we certainly have lived this out in full measure and continue to navigate through the pandemic and its ongoing effects. And so we may be feeling that again, even in this Christmas season. So, Liz, for the next two weeks, we're going to talk about the difficult space of loneliness. And this first week, both Liz and I will share our personal stories around loneliness and find those important connections. And then the next week, uh, we're going to look at some strategies and ways of coping with loneliness. After that, we're going to talk talk about grief and Mm -hmm. then joy. Okay, that's a lot of information (laughs) right off the bat. But hopefully it gives us a picture of why we're here and where we're going. So to start, um, I'd like to give a definition that I found on loneliness. And then Liz, if we could get some of your insights and hear how this has played out in your own life. 
How does that sound? That sounds just swell, Carrie. Excellent. So in her newest book, Atlas of the Heart, Brene Brown says that at the heart of loneliness is the absence of meaningful social interaction, an intimate relationship, a friendship, family gatherings, or even community or work group connections. My sense, Liz, is that most of us would agree with this definition, but how do we feel and experience loneliness? Yeah, I just want to say, Brenny's definition is so to the point, and I believe is very relatable to the human story, but it does take that very intentional dive into our unique stories for us to even get to the root of what leads us to experience lonely. And that's what we're doing today, because how I experience lonely will be different than you. Mm. Brenny says at the heart of loneliness, it's the absence of meaningful social interaction. Some people can be by themselves for hours or days and be generally okay, where someone else may not be able to be alone for more than five minutes without starting to feel panicked. Mm. So before I share my own experience with lonely, it's actually really important for me to mention that I see a spiritual director once a month, and she and I have been meeting for six and a half years. You'd honestly think we'd run out of stuff to talk about. (laughs) I can totally relate, Liz. Maybe it would be good for our listeners to hear what is a spiritual director. Yeah, and I can totally take it for granted that everyone should just know what a spiritual director is because I've been with mine for six and a half years. (laughs) So generally speaking, a spiritual director helps people intentionally pay attention to God's activity and God's voice within their lives with the ultimate goal being that deepening intimacy with God. Mm. So for me, in this one one particular session that she and I uh, had during COVID, I was recognizing that I was I was actually in a place to name a very common thread in my story was a long time journey with the pain of loneliness. Loneliness was something I had both unintentionally and very very intentionally distanced myself from because, in a word, it was very uncomfortable. I've also never been married, and I was rather passionate about not wanting people to assume my loneliness came from my marital status. So rather than even talking about it with people and learning how to listen to what loneliness was communicating to me, I was perfectly content, at least convinced myself, I could just fill up my calendar with things to do and people to see and begin to convince myself I could thrive as an extrovert. So there were honestly weeks uh, when I, and especially when I used to be a pastor, Mm -hmm. I could easily be out seven nights in a row. And when I was at my house, which was which was pretty rare, I would have to have noise on like music or a movie or just something. So for me, Carrie, up until about six years ago, silence was super deafening. But as my spiritual director and I began to listen together to what God was wanting to reveal to me, and I was in a place to receive it, it became very apparent at the core of my experience of lonely was a very deeply rooted experience with fear. In my work with clients and their emotions, we do a lot of this intentional listening to what emotions are communicating to them through their bodies. So for me, whenever I'd start to feel lonely, I'd get these symptoms that were connected with nervous, anxious, vulnerable, so all very fear-related emotions. So sometimes my spiritual director in our sessions will ask God to reveal a memory to connect something I'm talking through in my present with something that may have happened in my past. So to go a little bit into my past... I was raised, and actually it's still my present because I still have nine brothers and sisters. I was raised in a very large Christian family. Mm. And naturally, due to 12 people living under one roof, we kids would often share bedrooms together. So growing up, it actually wasn't unusual for me to be one of the first to wake up. But there were times I wouldn't be up before my sister. 
The memory which came to mind during one of the sessions I had was recalling those mornings when I was an older kid, actually, and a young teenager, when my sister would get up, leave the room, shut the door, and go on about her day. I recall so vividly that when she would begin to stir in her bed and then get out of her bed, I would automatically begin to feel anxious in my body. And it was when she would shut the door, because she thought I was still asleep, I would have this very real experience with fear. It was like when she closed the door, I was convinced I was 100% alone. And so as a kid, it was a very scary feeling. It's like my body was saying, you need to get out of bed because by staying here, you're alone, you're unwanted, and you're forgotten. And when I was at that age, I didn't have the tools to sit with what was happening in my body and why I was experiencing that fear. Mm, Of course. Oh, Liz, thank you for your vulnerability. You've said some really good things already, so I just want to take a moment to highlight a few of them just before we continue. Right away, you named loneliness as something that is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Oh, that is so true. But I think naming it helps us to normalize loneliness and recognize it's not something we typically want to sit with because it can be so uncomfortable. And kind of in line with that, you also said that silence is deafening. Again, so true. Now, silence can also be very beautiful, Mm -hmm. but I think more often than not, it is uncomfortable because maybe it's not something we're used to experiencing in this busy and loud world. Mm -hmm. And then just the last thing that I really think is an important connection, the connection you made between loneliness and fear. I would agree loneliness embodies a lot of different emotions. But I appreciate that you've named um, sort of under a lot of those emotions, the fear is yeah. quite prevalent. Uh, you're really good at summarizing, Carrie. Because <laughs> uh, it is, it's actually really hard to put to words like that experience of lonely into a way that someone might connect with. And when I even talk about fear and loneliness, it actually did take an outside person to help me enter into it, which is why mm. I wanted to bring up my spiritual director because she was the one who really helped me not to run away with it because she created that safe space with me. So when I was walking through this with her, I was actually get I got to a place where I was able to name why I had felt fear about being left alone in my bedroom. Because I wasn't convinced that when my sister closed the door, she was saying, ha ha, I'm leaving you forever. Or my parents were going to leave me at an orphanage. Right. It was because I had felt this tangible experience of being one of 10 kids not feeling. It was like something was happening with me where I didn't feel fully welcomed or wanted and at times even feeling lost in my own family. So in my experience, when you're young and one of 10 kids in my context and you have a very quiet disposition, my, myself, it wasn't so much even just quiet. I was just so, so shy. It's easy to feel like you don't fit in. What is my voice? And at the end of the day, even if I know my voice, does it even matter? Mm-hmm. And while my parents may have loved me the best they could, Um, I actually found them to be fairly emotionally and physically absent at times. I don't have a lot of memories of being sent to sleep or tucked in at night or physically held much or them even checking in at the end of the day to see how my day was. So the pain of loneliness as a young child was communicating that even surrounded by humans, I am meant to walk alone. And so for me, I just found ways to cope through it. As a kid, I started to fill that deafening silence Mm -hmm. with busyness. 
I would constantly ask siblings, siblings who just wanted alone time to read. I was like, come play games with me. Or I'd watch movies or I'd get lost in books. And I baked a ton, which of course they didn't complain about. And I cleaned a ton. So even well into my college years, I'd be told when I'd go home to visit for Christmas, I would still do all those same things. People would say, don't you ever stop, Liz. Like, don't you just stop. (laughs) What I deeply longed for was something I'd eventually be able to name into my 20s and 30s. That painful experience of loneliness in a large family was revealing to me my desire for intimacy, for deep belonging. Not for what I did, not for my performances, but for who I was. To find that safe space to be with God, with myself, and people without striving to earn a seat at the table. Mm, That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Liz. Now, and, and thanks for listening, Carrie, because while it's not always easy to talk about, there's something about naming what we experience in the presence of another person, whether it's with my spiritual director, even with you, and maybe a few people listening. <laughs> um, so with that said, though, I want to hear from you. Can, you. can you share some of your story with us? For sure. Thanks. Yeah, when we talk about loneliness... One of the important distinctions for me personally is that loneliness and being alone are not the same things and in fact can be very different. Now, I am very blessed to live a life surrounded by people. For the most part, people who love, support and encourage me. And in my life as a wife and mother, pastor, daughter, friend, as Carrie, surrounded by all these lovely people, In truth, I spend a lot of time craving space to disconnect and be alone, to rest, to refresh, to get groceries alone, (laughs) to clean my house, to watch a show I like, or simply to be alone to have space to think and be. And in truth, when I think about the times in my life when I've experienced deep loneliness, more often than not, it has been with other people. And not when I've been physically alone or disconnected from social interactions. Gosh, yes, Carrie. You mentioning that distinction between loneliness and being alone is gold. Uh, A friend and I were actually recently chatting about this. And he said he was surprised to discover that some of his married friends experience feeling lonely. And that surprise was that these people are married. How could they possibly feel lonely when they're not physically alone? So actually, this actually creates misconceptions between marrieds or people in relationship and singles. It doesn't follow if you live alone or not in a relationship. You must feel lonely most of the time. Hmm. But, you know, keep telling us more of your story, Carrie. As a woman who is married, has two kids and a dog who is quite rambunctious, (laughs) as I'm (laughs) noticing in your house here. Uh, And you've also worked a long while in a very people-oriented profession. How have you tangibly experienced loneliness? Well, I think what I've come to realize is that when I feel alone um, with other people, it's often because I don't have a strong sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. I don't feel seen or heard or accepted for who I am. Um, But I think in truth, my loneliness among many people stems primarily from my role as a caregiver in almost all areas of my life. Now, being a caregiver is an immense blessing, and I really believe it's who God's created me to be. However, it has come at a cost. And over the past couple of years, God has really been leading me to understand what caring for others looks like in a healthy and life-giving way for both parts of the relationship. 
one of the hardest truths that I'm learning about caring for others is that it does not include negating our own well-being in mind, body, and soul. Mm. When the balance of caring for others as well as myself is off, and now, of course, there will be seasons when this is the case. I'm a mother, and so if my daughter is sick and she's up all night ill, of course I'm going to be with her up all night, Mm -hmm. you know, losing sleep. That's fine. But if this becomes more than just a season... And there is less and less time to care for our own needs alongside those we are called to care for. I think it's quite natural that we feel and maybe even become disconnected and certainly feel alone. So for me personally, when I start to notice this happening, this is usually the time that I should ask for help. (laughs) But that is extremely hard for me, especially as a caregiver, as the helper, So then it just becomes a very lonely cycle. Yeah. What I'm hearing you say, Carrie, is for you at times, lonely is so connected uh, to this role you have as a helper. So it's who you innately are. You are a helper. You love to support people. So these roles are pastor, mother, right? Mm. But I'm wondering if you're not helping, who (laughs) are you when you're not needed? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) That is a good question, and that's probably a whole other podcast, but um, yes, you're right on, Liz, Um, and like you, I have spent a great deal of my life filling my time, taking care of the needs of others, so I don't feel that uncomfortable space, Um, but in Mm -hmm. doing so, I've often negated my own needs. Yeah. You know, thank you for sharing your experience of lonely because I do have a feeling it's going to resonate with a lot of people and not just the moms who might be listening. I think mm. there will be a deep connection to finding our identity and what we do for others. Mm. Um, so without moving too much into practical steps with how to listen to loneliness, because we are going to be covering that in the next episode. I wonder if there's something, though, that you want to offer our listeners as we close today. Yes, thanks, Liz. So often in times of loneliness, to remind myself that I'm not truly alone, I will go to God's word, the Bible, to listen and experience his comfort. Mm. And one of the verses that gives me this comfort comes from the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 9. And there we hear God say, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Mm-hmm. Such a good verse. Such a good verse. Thanks. How about you, Liz? Do you have anything you go to? Yeah, and I'll share that in a moment. But I just wanted to say, just to kind of prepare a little bit for our, our next episode, mm-hmm. is that when we meet uh, for the second episode on loneliness, I do want to be able to offer some tangible ways, and Carrie will as well, about what it looked like for us to approach our loneliness without fear, but through a lens of like curiosity and compassion. Because it's very natural to be like, oh my gosh, this is the absolute worst. I don't want to sit with this. And mm-hmm. often we'll be told, just sit with your pain, sit with your loneliness, sit with your whatever. And what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. But through compassion, we can say, it's okay if sitting with loneliness is uncomfortable. Just even naming it is so important. Because when we acknowledge what we are experiencing, Our situation might not change right away, but our response to it's going to. Mm. This is connection. 
So as a little teaser, I'd like to close with one of my favorite loneliness quotes, because I have so many. <laughs> my wall is just filled with loneliness quotes uh, from Christian philosopher Paul Tillich. He says, our language has wisely sensed that there are two sides of man's being alone. It has created the word loneliness to express the pain of being alone, and it has created the word solitude to express the glory of being alone. So my desire is for us and for our dear listeners to know that while there is a pain to being alone, it's very real, there is also the opportunity to experience the glory of being alone. And we are going to get to that at our next episode. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Liz. And thank you, friends, for being with us today. We look forward to connecting with you again next week.